This week, America continues our aggressive effort to defeat the virus. As we enter a crucial and difficult phase of the battle, we continue to send our prayers to the people of New York and New Jersey and to our whole country. But right now, New York and New Jersey are very hot zones, and uh, we're with them, we're with everybody. Your struggle is our struggle, and uh, we will beat this virus. We will beat it together. I also want to send best wishes to a very good friend of mine and a friend to our nation, Prime Minister Boris Johnson. We're very saddened to hear that he was taken into intensive hey, care this afternoon, a little we while have the ago. Task force briefing. And uh, Americans are all praying for his recovery. He's been a really good friend. He's been really something very special, strong, resolute, doesn't quit, doesn't give up. Uh, we have made tremendous progress on therapeutics. I had a fantastic call today, which I'll be talking about a little bit later. And I've asked two of the leading companies, these are brilliant companies, uh, Ebola, AIDS, others, they've come with the solutions and uh, just have done incredible jobs. And I've asked them to contact London immediately. They have offices in London, the major companies, but more than major, more than size, they're genius. And uh, I had a talk with four of them today, and they speak a language that most people don't even understand. But I understand something, that they've really advanced therapeutics and therapeutically, and uh, they have arrived in London already. Their London office has whatever they need, and we'll see if we can be of help. We've contacted uh, all of Boris's doctors, and... Uh, We'll see what is going to take place, but they are ready to go. But when you get brought into intensive care, that gets very, very serious with this particular disease. So uh, the two companies are there and uh, with what they are talking about, and it's uh, rather complex and, and has had really incredible results. Uh, we're working with the FDA and everybody else, but we are working with London with respect to Boris Johnson. Across the country, we're attacking the enemy on all fronts, including medical, scientific, social, logistical, and economic. We're pressing into action the full power of American government and American enterprise, and our military has been incredible. We've just sent 3,000 uh, public health personnel they're now deployed in the New York area, and they'll be over at the Javits Center, over at the, the Great Ship. And uh, as you probably have heard, uh, and I was informed that Governor Cuomo has already uh, told you and announced, he called me up a little while ago and he asked whether or not it would be possible to use the ship uh, with respect to fighting the virus. And we hadn't had that in mind at all, but we're going to let him do it. And we're also going to let New Jersey, uh, Governor Murphy, we spoke with him a little while ago, and uh, New Jersey is going to use it also because New Jersey is a hot, a hot spot. So Governor Murphy and Governor Cuomo are going to be using the ship for New York, New Jersey, and uh, it's a big ship. And it's now COVID. It's set for COVID, and we are going to Hopefully, uh, that will be uh, very helpful to both states. Uh, 
The Javits Center, which is 2,900 beds just built by our military, also is going to be manned now by the military, and they should be in place tomorrow. And they'll start sending quite a few people over to the Javits Center. It's convenient. It's right in the middle of everything. So that'll be something great. And uh, we appreciated Governor Cuomo's nice, really nice statements. And likewise, Governor Murphy, we have uh, worked very well with both of them and with, frankly, all of the governors, uh, Vice President Pence had a call this morning with them that lasted for close to two hours. And I understand there wasn't a, uh, a negative person on the call, 50 governors or just about 50 governors. I think they were all on from what I understood. And uh, they were very positive about everything uh, their federal government has been doing for them. And you'll hear what that is. And it's it's rather amazing, actually. Uh, nationwide, the Army Corps of Engineers is building 22 field hospitals. These are big hospitals and alternate care sites in 18 states. So you have a combination of 22 field hospitals. In addition to that, we're building alternate care sites, which is a little bit of a smaller version of the hospital. And uh, we have a lot of them, and they're going up in 18 different states. In total, we have deployed 8,450 hospital beds from federal stockpiles. And, you know, if you think this is done over a period of really a period of weeks. It's incredible, actually. More than 8,000 ventilators have been sent from the national stockpile to our cities and states, backed by the Defense Production Act, which we've used very strongly, very powerfully. So powerfully that we don't have to use it too much, frankly. And it's nice when you don't have to. We're getting more than we ever bargained for. American industry is stepping up. Manufacturers are really going to town. And we have thousands of ventilators being built uh, as we speak, and we have hundreds that are being sent to different locations, and we're ready to roll with almost 10,000 that we have in the federal stockpile. Uh, when I say ready to roll, too, I mean uh, exactly what that uh, states. We are, wherever that monster goes, we're able to move with it. Great flexibility. We have tremendous flexibility, and we have people waiting, and they're ready, willing, and able, but waiting to bring them wherever it may be, if they need it, if they need it. Uh, it's possible that they won't be needed, that we're fully stocked, because uh, numbers are coming in where, because of what the American people are doing, uh, we're having fewer hospital visits. I think that could be the case in New York. It could be the case in a few other states. And fewer beds, fewer hospital visits mean fewer ventilators. So we'll see uh, whether or not our original projections were right. But anyway, I had a very good talk with uh, both governors, and I think they're very happy, extremely happy about the uh, what we're doing for them, and especially going all COVID. So that'll take place uh, almost immediately. FEMA and HHS have directly distributed 11.7 million N95 respirators. Think of that. Get the number. 11.7 million N95 respirators. 11.7 million. 26.5 million surgical masks. 5.3 million face shields. 4.4 million surgical gowns. And 22.6 million gloves. 22.6 million gloves. 
We have also arranged for vast quantities of additional materials to be allocated through donations and existing supply chains. We've also given tremendous medical material and supplies throughout the 50 states and territories. And through Project Airbridge, we have succeeded in bringing plane loads of vital supplies into the United States from overseas. Uh, we had an additional three. These are massive planes, by the way. Uh, the big planes are very big, very powerful, and they're loaded to the gills with supplies. And rather than bringing them into our stockpile, as we've discussed, we bring them to all the different locations where they're needed so we can save a big step and a timely step. Because of my actions under the DPA, I can also announce today that we have reached an agreement, very amicable agreement, with 3M for the delivery of an additional 55.5 million high-quality face masks, face masks each month so that we're going to be getting over the next couple of months 166.5 million masks for our frontline healthcare workers. So the 3M saga ends very happily. Uh, we're very proud to be dealing now with 3M and its CEO, Mike Roman. I just spoke with him and I thanked him for getting it done. And uh, Mike was very happy to get it done. Great company. So we're getting 166.5 million masks. And mostly that's going to be for our frontline healthcare workers. Okay, that's 3M. Thank you, 3M. I also want to thank Apple, one of the many great American companies that's taken into, that's really leapt into action. Today, Apple announced that it is now producing plastic face shields for healthcare workers at the rate of 1 million per week. 1 million, and these are the shields that you see on television quite a bit, and they're at the highest level of quality and safety. Uh, we're grateful as well to Salesforce, which has donated 48 million pieces of personal protective equipment, including masks, gowns, suits, and face shields. So thank you very much to Salesforce. I urge all of our nation's governors to ensure that the massive deliveries that we've made to your states over the past few weeks are distributed as quickly as possible. So, again, we're working very well with the governors. Now, they may see you and say, oh, we're not happy. But they're very happy on the phone. And Mike Pence is a straight shooter, and he had a great phone conversation to them with all of the governors, teleconference. And uh, they're very happy, every one of them. Were there any negatives? No, sir. See? I told you. Mike is the greatest. Mike, and you have done a great job, Mike, and I appreciate it. The whole country appreciates it. Anthony appreciates it, right? Don't you see? Everybody appreciates Mike, special man. So uh, a lot of the things that we've done, again, are going directly to the states. The states seem to be very happy. If they're not, they can call me directly. They can call Mike directly, and we'll make them happy. But tremendous progress has been made in a very short period. And I think, very importantly, uh, the progress has been made before the surge comes, because the next week week and a half is going to be a big surge, the professionals tell us. And I think we're in uh, good shape for it, Anthony. So it's good timing, really good timing. We can have this stuff there. It's already there for the most part, but we're bringing a lot of uh, different resources 
to uh, to the various locations, especially where the surge is looking like it's going to take place. Resources from the national stockpile need to reach our warriors. And they are warriors. I tell it all the time. I saw it again this morning. He's young in many cases, many cases older, but they're walking into the hospital and they're putting on gas. I mean, as their door is open, they're going into this place. And, you know, it's not exactly too safe. And they're going in there and they're putting the outfits on and they're putting their masks on and they're it's incredible. It's no it's really it's like no different than you watch the war movies or you watch the old clips of war running up hills. It's to me it's the same thing. Men and women, young and old, but a lot of young people just going in there. They're not thinking about, oh gee, this is dangerous. They're not saying, Oh, I don't want to go in. They're, they're warriors. They're running through those doors. It's the most incredible thing. It's, it's a beautiful, it's an incredible, beautiful thing. Resources from the national stockpile need to reach these warriors in the hospitals immediately, and we're making sure they do. And again, the states have that responsibility, but we're working with the states, and we're getting the states a lot of things that they can distribute, or when they tell us, we bring it directly to the hospital from the federal stockpile or from the planes that land which, without even going to the stockpile. If any state's having difficulty distributing supplies, we urge you to use the National Guard to assist in the delivery. And I have to say, you have done a fantastic job. Deborah, you know that you've done great. Tony, you know that you've done great. But what a job you've done, and I appreciate it. I really do. Your whole group has been incredible. That's a lot of stars you have, I'll tell you that. He's supposed to do a great job when you have four stars, right? But the uh, military has been incredible, and I thank them for all of us. Conversely, if a state believes that it has surplus equipment or supplies, very important because we actually have gotten so much to some of the states that they're able to now, they've done a fantastic job and they've kept, they've kept that line low. And uh, we have some states that have surplus equipment and supplies, and they're working with us to rapidly redeploy those supplies to areas of greatest need. We thought that might happen. If it worked out well, that's what was going to happen, and it's happening. And I want to thank Governor Gavin Newsom, who's doing a tremendous job, who's announced California will send 500 ventilators to be distributed to other locations. I think some are going to Arizona, some are going to Washington, D.C. We think they're going to Delaware. We're working with that, but uh, 500 excess ventilators from the state of California, and uh, we're going to get them taken care of wherever they have to go. Those decisions are being made right now. Uh, the members of the White House Task Force and I are in close touch with mayors and governors and hospital administrators across our country. And we're told that the present time, at the present time, most of the critical needs are, are being more than met. States have to continue sharing detailed information in the amount and utilization rates of medical supplies so we know what to resupply them. Or they can get it directly. That includes Ventilators, they can get it directly. Ideally, if they can get it directly, but if they can't, if they're unable to do it, we have uh, tremendous amounts of supplies that we're building it up very fast, too. And this is before the big surge. This information is fundamental to our ability to deliver the material when 
when and where it's most needed. Uh, now, Mike, in his conversation today, I think uh, got some information as to a couple of locations where we're going to be delivering large numbers of ventilators and large numbers of uh, medical supplies, and we'll take care of that. Uh, but some of the states are uh, very happy. Even Governor Pritzker from Illinois is happy. Of course, he may not be happy when he talks to the press, but he's happy. He's a very happy man. We're increasingly hopeful that the aggressive mitigation strategy we put into place will ultimately allow our hospital system to successfully manage the major influx of cases that that we have right now. Again, I, I say that uh, we're finding because of the incredible job done by the American people in conjunction with everybody, governors, the military, federal government, state government, local government. I've had a lot of conversations with New York City and Mayor de Blasio. I've gotten to know him. I didn't know him. I've gotten to know him. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are working hard. Everybody's working hard. A lot of people are doing a great job. I'll tell you that. A lot of people are doing a great job. But the goal is that all Americans have been sacrificing to achieve these uh, last few weeks, uh, things that a lot of people thought were not possible to achieve. And I think we've more than achieved, but we have to go through. Again, we're going to have a rough week. We're going to have maybe a rough a little more than a week. And But there's tremendous light at the end of that tunnel. I said it last time, said it last night. There's tremendous light at the end of the tunnel. There's so many things happening with therapeutics, with vaccines, with uh, things that we really want. Uh, Deborah, Tony, they're all working so hard on this, but those therapeutics, I mean, look, the vaccines are going to be always a little bit later because of that testing period, but the therapeutics, getting the kind of things that I heard about today, talking to these brilliant companies and brilliant people on the phone was fantastic. It was such an incredible conversation. And uh, I also spoke just a few minutes ago with Vice President, former Vice President Biden, who called and uh, we had a really wonderful warm conversation it was a very nice conversation we talked about uh, pretty much this this is what we talked about this is what everyone's talking about this is what they want to talk about and uh, he gave me his point of view and I fully understood that and uh, we just had a very friendly conversation uh, lasted probably 15 minutes and uh, it was really good. It was really good. Really nice. I think it was very much so. I appreciate his calling. As we continue our efforts to develop treatments and cures this afternoon, I spoke with leaders of the American pharmaceutical companies. And just to give you their names, uh, Amgen, Genentech, Gilead, Regeneron. These are four of the greatest in the world for uh, doing exactly what they're doing. And currently, 10 different therapeutic agents are in active trials, and some are looking incredibly successful, but we have to go through a process. And it's going to be a fairly quick process, I will tell you, based on what the FDA told me. And another 15 are in plans for clinical trials, so they're advancing rapidly. And today, a second company announced that the FDA has authorized its vaccine candidate to begin clinical trials. So you have Johnson & Johnson is already there. I believe they're the one that's first. And now we have a second company that just uh, just announced and we were just uh, was just approved. 
So we have two companies at that level for the vaccine itself. We've now performed 100, well, if you think of this, 1.79 million tests. That's 1,790,000 tests nationwide. And I think we're going to put up a screen here someplace that they're on queue. They're just on queue. And here it is. Uh, this is the process starting on uh, 5 March and ending right there, right about now, right? That's about it. Yesterday. So, uh, and it's going up uh, at a rapid rate. Uh, nobody has done more testing. And one of the reasons why they say, and I, I think I can say this, Deborah, very strongly, but one of the reasons that we have more cases is we've done more more testing. If I went to some of these countries that have, in my opinion, far more people than we do that had the problem, and if we did the kind of testing proportionally that we're doing, they'd have many more cases than us. But we have more cases because we do much more testing. So when you do the testing, you have cases. Otherwise, you wouldn't know about the cases. People sit home, you don't know about it. But we have now done 1,790,000 tests nationwide. That's more than any other country in the world. Hence, we have more cases. And uh, that number is growing by nearly 125,000 people per day. Think of that one. So it's growing by 125,000 people per day. Uh, I told you about South Korea. This is a, uh, you know, vastly faster. And we also have, they say, the most accurate of tests. CVS is launching, and they've been great. Uh, two new drive-through testing sites in Atlanta, Georgia, and Providence, Rhode Island. And each location will be able to test up to 1,000 patients per day using the ultra-fast five-minute test developed by Abbott Labs. Now they're down to five-minute. They call it the ultra-fast, and it's very accurate. Abbott Labs, I want to thank them. They've been fantastic. We're also speeding urgent economic relief to the American worker and families and the employers. As of today, tens of thousands of small businesses have applied for more than $40 billion in relief under the Paycheck Protection Program. You've all been reading about it, and it's really, I mean, it's only been going for a couple of days. It's really been performing well couple of little glitches, minor glitches that have already been taken care of, what they say. These funds will result in nearly two million jobs being preserved, so we're taking care of our workers, small businesses and our workers. Nearly 3,000 lenders have already made loans under the program, and we're signing up additional lenders very quickly, rapidly. Uh, community banks have been very responsive, and larger banks are also stepping up. If this pro if, if we run out of funds, by the way, we're already preparing because it's going so fast for the small businesses and their employees. Uh, we'll ask Congress to refill it immediately. But the banks have been great. The big banks, the uh, Bank of America was right up there at the beginning. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase was was uh, has been great. After the first day, they really they really came through. And a lot of the big banks, but the community banks have been fantastic. As we announced last week, we are providing $100 billion in direct support for our hospitals. And the first tranche, $30 billion, will be distributed this week. So I want to, want to say one other thing. Our farmers, we love our farmers. And uh, as you know, as of April 1st, the uh, China trade deal, $250 billion 
they purchased $250 billion from us, if not more. And uh, of that, approximately $50 billion is expected to be with our farmers. So it kicked in as of April 1st, and we'll see how it goes. It seems like they're buying, so we'll let you know uh, how that's going. But they're buying anywhere from 40 to $50 billion worth of our agricultural product. That should have a huge impact on our farmers, a tremendous impact on our farmers. But we're watching it very closely. To fight the medical war, we've mobilized the unbeatable, and it just it is unbeatable, strength of American determination, ingenuity, and compassion. I got to see that when I spoke to the great uh, science, because I call them science companies more than drug companies. They're scientists. We've seen businesses, charities, and private citizens making generous donations. So many people are making donations. We've seen states and cities supporting and helping each other and caring for our citizens. And we've seen Americans of all backgrounds and beliefs uniting together to answer the challenge and rise to the moment. And that's what they're doing. Above all, we've been awed and inspired by the exceptional courage of the doctors, nurses, EMTs, and healthcare workers who are the soldiers of this war. No words can ever express the complete measure of our gratitude for these intrepid heroes. One Cleveland patient credited his medical team for not only saving his life through their skill, but forever changing his life through their example of selfless devotion. Couldn't believe it's so generous he was with his statements. And he talked about their bravery in an area that was in such trouble, an area of that hospital where people were dying. And he talked about their bravery. Another survivor in Houston said simply, I will consider them my angels forever. I will consider them, think of that, my angels forever. As our nation endures the depths of loss and grief, we are also witness to the summit of American virtue, character, and courage. With the love and dedication of every American patriot, we will win this battle, we will defeat this enemy, and we will rise from this present crisis with new strength, unity, and resolve. And that's what's happening. Uh, tremendous stories are coming out of this uh, horrible moment, very dark moment for the world. 182. I was saying 151 for a while, and then it got up to 160, and it's 182, as I announced yesterday. 182 countries are being attacked by this virus. So uh, I just want to thank everybody. I want to thank the American citizens for doing a great job. Stay inside, and uh, let's win this, and let's get our country open as soon as we can. I think it's going to be sooner than people think. Things are going really well. Again, light at the end of the tunnel.